BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Season two of Lost in Space has arrived on Netflix, and in preparation for our dive into the Robinsons' next adventure, we sat down with actor Mina Sundwall, Penny from the show, talk about her character's journey. Enjoy. So when season one launched, you guys kind of had the burden, I don't know if I would say a burden, but you had the legacy of the original show Mm -hmm. to deal with. Was that experience different going into production on season two now that you had a full slate of episodes under your belt? Yeah, a little bit. And from the get-go, we had some pretty big shoes to fill, for sure. But our writers always say that it's not a season four of the original. It's a reimagining. So we were able to play with it and make it our own version. And then from season two, we'd had all these episodes to the point where everybody knew the characters and as actors, we knew our, knew each other. And we had developed these dynamics and relationships on screen that everybody saw. So there was no more need for an introduction to the different characters, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it, you know, sci-fi fans can be a little notoriously picky. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there a feeling <laughs> going into the season that you guys had your own fans and your own audience? Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. Especially, I love, I mean, I find it hilarious. Every once in a while, there will be one small inconsistency in the science or something that doesn't make sense on Earth. And we will get a stream of comments of like, <laughs> well, actually, when you mix these two chemicals, this is what happens. From the, from season one, we got a lot of um, younger viewers that weren't necessarily familiar with the original show because they are under the age of... 18. <laughs> um, Probably much older than that, you'd have to say, for people who are familiar, familiar with the original. With the original show. Yeah. yeah. But them and, and their parents saying, I watched the original. I loved it. I grew up on it. And I'm able to watch this one with my son or daughter, and we can watch it as a family. And that always makes me so happy. What lessons did you personally carry over from season one? I guess in terms of the character, or how you played the character, or anything about playing this type of material? There's, well, from a practical standpoint, this is the most green screen special effects thing I've ever done or or been on the set of to see. Um, and so I that was a big lesson that we carried over. But from a character point of view, there's a lot about Penny that has to do with keeping who you are no matter whether or not you fit in. And she never puts up a front. She doesn't have a mask to conform into what everybody else wants her to be. She's not a scientist and she knows it. And this season we see her come into her own a little bit. And that for me was such an interesting carryover because I went through her not knowing what to do or not knowing what her role was and feeling like she never had a job because she couldn't handle what everybody else was doing in terms of science or she's not a doctor. She's not a, an engineer or a technician or a mechanic or a geologist or a scientist at all. And so to be able to kind of see that work its way into her finding what she can do was interesting for her as a character and then for me because it it feels rewarding like I feel like I figured out what I can do because I was able to go through that journey with her and she taught me more of how to just be yourself and be confident and not put up a mask no matter what 
and then now I can, I'm going through a similar journey. That's very cool. Uh, so a couple of things to unpack from there. First, I want to mm-hmm. backtrack to the green screen yeah. side of things because, uh, you know, I think that that's pretty much a, a staple of science fiction these days is yeah. how much green screen and, and CGI creations you guys work with. I mean, the robot being a great example. Mm-hmm. What was the adjustment process to that like? And is it something do you feel like it's a skill that as over time you're like, oh, now I know how to deal with things that aren't there in a way that I didn't before working on this show? Yeah, a bit. And it was at first it was terrifying because no matter what you do, you feel ridiculous because you're you're grabbing something that's not there or reacting to something that you can't see. Um, but then when you get a little more comfortable with it, I think all of us realize that you can use your imagination so much more because if you do something that they weren't expecting, they can put it in later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it was about not having the restriction or the constraints of what's actually in front of you. You can go completely out there. And our show is already very out there that what you're thinking is definitely possible and likely in their circumstances. Yeah. So, and then speaking about Penny's, you know, you mentioned that she's not the whiz kid, right? Uh, in the family, uh, in the second episode, uh, she confronts her mom about that. There's a conversation about that. Can you talk a bit about, I guess, why that's important and what the exploration of that was like for you of, of Penny's place as kind of the non whiz kid of the family. Definitely. It was for Penny, especially, and it's a bit of the middle child syndrome. She always feels like Judy is her dad's favorite and will is her mom's favorite. And she doesn't have anybody to just sit her down and say, you're doing the right thing. You know, you're doing a good job. And she was looking for that, especially when you're a teenager and you're kind of going through the ups and downs of insecurities and not knowing where you fit in or what you're supposed to be doing. You need someone to say that you're doing the right thing and do your own. And so when she doesn't get that from her mom or from her dad, but it hurts more from her mom, it hits her hard to the point where even when she does do something great that everybody else notices and her mom doesn't notice that's when she's she's kind of like okay well then I'm going to look for validation somewhere else and that's we see an interesting relationship develop in between her and Dr. Smith which causes more tension in between her and her mom Um, which is a which for me was such a fun dynamic to play I'm an only child so I am always the best and the worst and the most and the least funny and the smartest and the dumbest So to be able to experience what it's like to be stuck in the middle and be compared to everybody else. I mean, it's also we work in an industry where you are constantly compared to other people. So it's drawing from real experiences and, and having the insecurity of am I not doing it right or is there someone that's always doing it better than me? But it was fun to be able to play around both the tensions with Molly because she's very maternal and in a way it was it it felt real at times to have someone who is a maternal figure in your life say, Oh no, I didn't really pay attention when you did that thing. That was pretty cool. And then at the same time to get to play into that a little bit of like the seduction of the dark side. Yeah. So let's, let's get into that because I think that that's a really interesting arc for the character in mm-hmm. the coming season. And, uh, Parker Posey is, is such a phenomenal. Yeah. So let, let's, what was that experience like working with her and developing those characters relationships? It was further? amazing. And to watch her work and unpack a scene, I was kind of just a sponge, just watching everything and absorbing as much as I possibly could. She knows what you're thinking before you think it. And she uses it in the scene. Do you know what I mean? We can do it 15 times and she'll give it to you 15 different ways. And then you react off of that. And it feels like such a natural flow of 
energy. And Dr. Smith is such a crazy character that's so inconsistent and so all over the place and manipulative, but also hilarious that when Parker just embraces that and uses it, it's so much fun to watch and also so much fun to play against. For the character, it's a very interesting experience to know that something is wrong, but it feels good and someone is finally giving you what you want to hear, but it's what everybody else is telling you is the wrong thing to do. And then I guess for me being able to play that, it's actually a lot of fun to, you know, we have a whole season and a bit before it's this kind of dynamic starts of people telling you that that's the wrong thing and to get to be the one that plays into that a little bit is really fun. Yeah. And I was going to ask, you know, we saw a little bit of Dr. Smith kind of getting her claws into Will in season one. So how Mm -hmm. is that how does the dynamic work differently with Penny uh, versus the dynamic she had with Will? Because the dynamic that Dr. Smith had with Will, Will was, well, Will is younger than me. And so she had a little more of that maternal side of manipulation over Will, where for me, she understands where Penny's insecurities lie and what she's unsure about and what she is looking for. And she uses that to her advantage. And that's her point of manipulation. And, to the point where Penny ends up seeing a lot of herself in Dr. Smith, which is terrifying, but at the same time, so intriguing. They're both very good with people and not particularly good with science. And they both understand people very well and they can write and tell a story and they can use it for manipulation if they have to. Uh, Dr. Smith chooses to do that more than Penny does, (laughs) but it was that they see these similarities. And so it's more of like a reflection of, a side of Penny that no one else notices. So Penny last season also had a, had the romantic travails, right? With VJ. She had a boyfriend. Yeah. What baggage does she carry from that into season two? That actually for me was one of the most fun parts of the season. I love a J. I love doing scenes with a J. We are such good friends. It's always so much fun to be able to play off of each other. And it was a point of Penny having to overcome that kind of betrayal and see the better side and be able to work together with VJ again after everything had happened. Because we do a time cut into seven months, they've had a little bit of time to reflect and get over it in a sense and when they see each other again there is always something that has to be done or a problem that has to be solved and when you are living in a kind of constant state of life or death it's important to surround yourself with people who know you and who you trust and who trust you and who can support you in what you're doing to solve whatever the problem is and it's about rebuilding that trust and so the whole penjay it does it does survive they are a team whether or not it is in the same way that they were before. And so the, the hashtag will live the on. The hashtag I'm will guessing. live on. Yeah. Hashtag Penjay and hashtag Robot are the two things that <laughs> pop up on my Twitter the most. So you guys clocked the whole people think the robot is sexy thing. Oh, we clocked it. Yeah. We didn't even clock. Like it, it's been pointed out to us very explicitly <laughs> time and time again. Yeah. I was not expecting. I mean, obviously when we saw the robot, we made jokes. We were like, okay, bunch yeah. of steel. But I was not expecting that to be such a major point. <laughs> yeah. It's the robot and the chicken that will outlive <laughs> us all for sure. <laughs> so if you had known that the robot was going to be that hot when you guys were working on the scenes mm-hmm. would your performance have changed at all oh 100% <laughs> I mean VJ just who? the intimidation of yeah, <laughs> yeah. just being around that much pure... I would have done more squats going into the season <laughs> for sure <laughs> that's awesome uh, 
let's talk about Penny's fear of space. Mm-hmm. So this is being lost in space, not mm-hmm. the best quality. How did you figure out how to play that element? Because obviously that's not an experience that we all have mm. of, of dealing with that kind of environment. So where did that come from for you? Kind of in, in two sides. One, I myself find space and the concept of being lost in it quite unnerving. I'm childishly terrified of the dark. Um, and that being isolated in the dark with no idea where you're going and no way to get back to where you came from is a very scary concept to me. So is Gravity like your least favorite movie of all time? Gravity, I <laughs> cried. I'm not even kidding. Not out of sadness, just out of the constant like anxiety that that movie brought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then at the same time, I have been in a place where I didn't know anybody and I didn't know where to go. And I was by myself when I was younger. I was in a boarding school in Spain and I didn't speak Spanish. It was so that I would learn Spanish. And I was by myself. My parents were in the U.S. And so I had nowhere to connect to or nothing that was familiar to me. And so I was able to draw from that very, very minute version of Penny's experience and blow it up to her scale. But I understand the feeling of being lost not knowing what to do, knowing that there's no way that you can change the situation. You have to make the best of it and know that it is for an overall greater cause, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Definitely. Uh, and so just to wrap up as our final question, yeah. and I'm sure you guys have been asked kind of something along this line before, but I want to know who, if the cast of this show were to mm-hmm. be lost mm-hmm. in space, mm-hmm. who would sur- have the best chance of survival? Oh my God, Max. Yeah. Max, first of all, this kid picks up things so fast and he's so much the type of person to be like, that's cool, but actually that's not the speed of this thing or that's not the reaction that this chemical would have. And he is so interested in science and geology in real life that I feel like he would relish in it. He would love that. We took a tour of the NASA Goddard Center and the entire time he was like, oh, so... you're taking internships. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, I think that Max would do the best. I think that he would not only do the best, he would make a home and then find a way how to get back to Earth. <laughs> oh, so that's who you're latching on to if you guys are ever If we are ever in stuck yeah. in space, Max, 100%. I'll latch on to him. 100%. I'll like, I don't even care. I'll cook, I'll clean, I'll take care of everything. He just has to get, get us around. <laughs> Excellent. All right, that's what I got. That's Thank our time. So Thank you much. so much for joining us. I Thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Absolutely. So that was our time with actor Mina Sunwall from Lost in Space. You can check out the show on Netflix. And for more interviews and takes on The Week in Geek, subscribe to Who Won the Week. <laughs>